Three Hanania Show is brought to you by the U.S. Arab Radio Network and sponsored by Arab News Newspaper, the Middle East's leading English language publication with print and online editions in Saudi Arabia, Dubai, France, Japan, Pakistan, England, and the United States. Listen to live radio every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern in Detroit, Washington, D.C., New York, and Ontario, Canada, or watch the live broadcast on facebook.com forward slash Arab News. The Ray Hanania Show is rebroadcast in Chicago at 12 noon on Thursday. For more information on the radio stations, live Facebook broadcast, and podcasts, visit ArabNews.com. And now, here's your host, columnist and U.S. special correspondent for Arab News, Ray Hanania. All right, welcome to the uh, radio show. It is Wednesday, July 20th, 22. We're broadcasting live in Detroit, Washington, D.C., and tomorrow we'll be broadcasting in Chicago on 1080 AM radio. Today, we're going to focus on what I consider the outrageous and excessive lengths that Israel supporters through APAC go through to control the vote in American elections. It's unbelievable. We have two segments today. In the first segment, we're going to talk with Hoeda Araf on her candidacy in Michigan's 10th district and the attacks that are coming from the pro-Israel and APAC extremists. Trying, who are trying to control America's elections. And what I have to say about Hawaii is she's smart. She's always right. I don't think I've ever, well, we may have disagreed on some minor stuff, but you are talking about all the issues in Michigan's 10th district that the people care about. And groups like APAC are trying to focus on one issue to hurt you. Later in segment two, we're going to talk with Dale Sprzansky. He's the assistant editor at the Washington Report on Middle East Affairs. Um, and we're going to talk and focus on APAC. Um, they spent more than $6 million and they defeated the reelection of Donna F. Edwards in Maryland's 11th district simply because she didn't agree with all of the votes that they wanted. Hoeda, welcome to the program. And again, I apologize for the uh, little burp in our start there. That's quite all right. Thank you for having me, Ray. It's good to be with you. Tell us about yourself. I, I love on your, uh, I love in your uh, uh, website that you identify yourself in so many ways and then say, and a mom. I think that mom resonates with voters, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I mean, and for many people who are parents, it's, it's the most important job that they have. Uh, so I definitely want to put that out there. I'm a mom of two elementary age school children, a seven-year-old girl and a nine-year-old boy. I am also a longtime human rights activist and I'm a civil rights attorney. I was born and raised in Southeast Michigan. My parents came to this country when my mom was nine months pregnant with me and I'm the oldest of five children now. And they left Palestine. And as you and probably most of your listeners know, right, the situation in Palestine is horrific. It's probably worse today than it was when my parents immigrated, but they left the, the violence, the occupation, the complete lack of freedom and opportunity in order to give their uh, children a chance at freedom and opportunity. They came to the United States and I, I'm so grateful that we, that I got what my parents came here for, but I look around, not only around me in Michigan and in the 10th district, but also around the world and see that so many people don't have that, are denied just basic rights. And so constantly looking about how to give back. That's why I uh, got into human rights organizing and I became a human rights attorney and, and also did civil rights because everybody deserves 
freedom, equal rights, uh, and, safety and, and security, and, and so many don't have it as a result of deliberate policy. And human rights is a principle. It's not like it's just human rights for one people. It's human rights for everybody across the board, correct? Exactly. Yes, absolutely. And I, um, years ago, when after I graduated from college, I went over to Palestine to work at the time for a conflict resolution program, but you can't be talking peace and conflict resolution when the situation on the ground is when inequality, when oppression is entrenched. And so I co-founded what's called the International Solidarity Movement to uh, basically unite people all over the world to fight government oppression and to stand with people who are fighting for their human rights and their dignity and their freedom. And when uh, people ask me about that in my campaign here in Michigan today, it resonates that you know, that Palestine might be halfway across the world, but everybody everywhere deserves basic rights and, and the right to live in freedom and with dignity is, is something that everyone understands. So I say, yes, what's happening here in Michigan is not that different. I mean, it, it's different from what I saw in Palestine people's homes aren't being raised over their heads or soldiers aren't grabbing kids from their beds in the middle of the night, but people's rights are being violated here. When you as a parent have to decide between heating your home and putting food on the table, or when, when you have to send your kids to school and not know if they're going to come back safely to you, your rights are, are violated. You're not living free. And again, this is all about policy that, that's keeping people down, that's denying people their rights. And I understand that, of course, APAC, which is this powerful lobbying arm, that pretends like uh, you know they're interested in American interests, but they have one goal, and that's to destroy anybody who questions a foreign government named Israel. Israel is not an American citizen. Israel is a foreign country, and it's almost like we have to prove that to people. But what I like about your campaign, because I've been looking at it very carefully, uh, and what I like about another candidate who uh, ran and won here in Illinois, Abdel Nasser Rashid, there, he's Palestinian. You're Palestinian. Yes, people are bringing up that issue, but almost 99% of what you talk about is what's needed in the district. He didn't run out there. He didn't wear Palestine on his shoulder. I know he's Palestinian. I know you're Palestinian, but the, it always comes down to voters. What are you going to do for us? And I think you've done a good job of identifying the issues of what you're going to do for those voters. Tell us what are some of those issues that APAC is totally ignoring. They want everybody to think it's one issue, but you're out there fighting for a lot of issues that resonate with voters. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm fighting to make this government and economy work for working people. We have a structure right now, and it's largely due to the influence of big money in politics. And APAC obviously falls into that. They, uh, with their millions of dollars, try to buy politicians. And that's why we see a lot of uh, members of Congress, unfortunately, blindly voting in support of Israel. And I'm talking to voters about the need to get big money out of politics so that we can make this government and economy work for them. When we're talking about why people don't have health care, why 40% of Americans newly diagnosed with cancer lose their entire life savings within two years because they can't pay for the treatment that they need. Or you, you, know, you have an illness or an accident and then you're worried about bankruptcy. Uh, why we can't guarantee healthcare? That you're talking about big insurance companies and the, the influence of their money in politics. Why we are so overcharged for prescription drugs, life-saving drugs? That's you have a pharmaceutical company. Why we are not cleaning up our air and water? Uh, you're talking about the fossil fuel and the coal companies. So, people feel very much and are very cynical, unfortunately, about the elections. It's 
who are these people representing? Are they representing us or are they representing those buying them or writing them the big checks? And almost everybody that I've spoken to from Democrat to Republican agrees that the influence of big money in politics is destroying our, our democracy. It's making our representatives not work for us. And they're supporting my message that I'm going to stand up to this uh, because we have to have representatives legislating for the benefit of the people to, to uplift the working class, expand the middle class. Right now, we have a system that only works for the, for the billionaire class and the well-connected few. And let's, let's explain big money, because people sometimes they think it's money. But what we're really talking about are you want to bring health care to people who need it. The insurance industry, the health industry funds millions to prevent that from happening because they don't want their losses. They don't want to have to pay more to provide services. The pharmacy industry, um, uh, uh, lobbyists like Israel's APAC, they don't want Americans to see the truth. It's not like you said, I think it's so important that people understand that they're not out there to defend the voters. They're out there to protect their interests, which are outside of the district. You're the only voice fighting for that right to defend those voters, health care, the pharmacies, jobs, um, all that stuff. Uh, what do you hear from people in response to this ugly campaign that I have seen APAC and their supporters fund against you? It's horrible. It is. I don't know. It, you know, they can, so far, let me say, I have been ignoring their um their vitriol and and their lies. I don't want to give them any more attention than and they don't deserve any attention again because it's all based on lies. And when I'm at voters' doors, they're talking to me about the things that concern them and so far have not um, heard or seen any of APAC or the staunch pro-Israel activists' uh, lies. Now that might change if I pass the primary and APAC starts investing more money in running their lies on television. So far, there haven't been any television commercials against me, and that's the easiest way to reach a lot of voters. Uh, mostly, it's been on social media and some print stuff. But I've just been focusing not again not on their vitriol and their lies, but on what. I'm listening to voters and what they need. And, and what are what are voters telling you? Obviously, the economy is really hurting people. And I, I obviously sympathize with that. And it's not that there's a quick fix, but also want people to realize there's a lot of price gouging going on. And we have a lot of representatives not voting to stop this price gouging because those who are running the companies that are you, you know, that are overpricing and, and gouging consumers are the ones that are also paying off our elected representatives. You have people very concerned about uh, guns in our society. And there you're looking at the gun manufacturers, the, you know, the gun lobby that has for so long prevented any kind of meaningful legislation on gun safety in our society. This is impacting people every single day. And then I'm talking to them about my plans to bring manufacturing home to address a, you know, a lot of the supply chain issues. My district specifically is a manufacturing district. And for example, my, my father was a UAW uh, GM, GM auto worker and the plant that he worked at uh, for decades to support our family shut down, jobs going overseas. We need to bring that back. Uh, but these are some of the issues. Schools also is another one that I hear a lot about. 
right now, unfortunately, the the quality of the education that our children gets depends on where they live. A city in my district, they're shutting down one of the last elementary schools in there because they don't have the, the funding. And what happens then is you have, you have some people that are able to send their kids to private schools, but so many people that are suffering from the lack of quality education. So all of these issues are what people are concerned about here. And if my work on Palestine comes up, I'm proud to talk about the work in the sense that, yes, I have committed my life to fighting for people's human rights because everybody deserves human rights and dignity. And do you know that $4 billion of your tax money goes to support Israel human rights abuses every single year? Uh, that outrages people. And uh, when you go out there, obviously, um, you're, you are in a, uh, I think it's like, isn't it a 50-50 district, Republican and Democratic? So you have a good shot at winning this uh, election. And I think when people realize that, you know, maybe they're going to open up more and support you. I know there's a big audience of Chaldean Christians out there. You're a Christian yourself, correct? Yes. And I'm Christian. And obviously, I don't see any difference. And you know, I'm Christian by religion, but Muslim by culture, I always tell everybody. Exactly. Because we work together all the time. But Christian Arabs and Chaldeans and Middle East people, they need to step up and support you because the alternative is horrible. The alternative to you in that district would be terrible. Yes. So we have running as a, well, first, let me address the issue about the, the district. It is a very important district and one that will be heavily focused on after the primary. In the primary, it hasn't gotten the attention it deserves. But with the redistricting, we are now the only district in Michigan that is considered a swing district. So Michigan now has 13 congressional seats. Six of them are expected to go Republican. Six of them are expected to go Democrat. Michigan's 10th congressional district is a 50-50 seat, so it could go either way. The Republican that we have running is John James, who ran for Senate twice, so he's very well funded. He's endorsed by Trump, but he doesn't even live in our district. So he's trying to buy the people of this district with his millions. Uh, but before I get to John James, I do have a primary that uh, it, it remains to be seen. Hopefully I will come out on top, but it, it is an uphill climb um, because one of the people I'm running against, he's not an incumbent, but he has been around Macomb County specifically for the last five decades. And so he's, so there's a lot of name recognition. And although there are a lot of people at the doors and elsewhere that tell me we need change, and I am uh, a big supporter of that, I think that if we keep electing the same kind of politicians, then nothing's ever going to change. So we do need change, but name recognition sometimes is the name of the game. So I have been trying to uh, motivate more people to support. And as you said, our community has been slow to, uh, to come on and support for a variety of reasons, uh, unfortunately. So it's been a, a struggle getting the resources to be able to do the voter outreach. But one of the things that has been very interesting is we ran a poll a couple of months ago. And that poll showed that if the election was today and voters were just going on name, this opponent that I have would win by double digits. He would beat me and, and everybody else. Because his name yeah. recognition has been out there for a long time. Yes, because everybody knows his name. But then we read the voter, everybody's biographies and their issues. And then I move ahead slightly of, of this uh, person. And then we read 
the voters positives and negatives about everyone. And for me, I included negatives like all of the horrible things that APAC and the like throw at me, like I am uh, anti-Semitic or I am a terrorist supporter, all of these lies just because they'd probably hear them. And um, at the end of the poll, when we re-polled everyone, I actually beat this guy, the front, you know, the considered front runner who has the name recognition, I beat him by 11 points. That shows you that my message resonates with people if they hear it, if we can reach them. And the attacks on me for my Palestine work don't lose me very much support, Good. which is so, great because of this, because of this district. And I'll tell you, I'll let you go and then I'll tell you another no, thing. No, no, sorry, people. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, because this district, and specifically the Mohawk County part of it, is considered like a, a bellwether as far as American politics goes. And you always have pundits talking about how Macomb County votes because it really is, it's traditionally the home of the Reagan Democrats. You have a lot of blue collar working class union type voters here, and that's middle America. If these voters are not uh, turned off by my Palestine work and in fact, uh, see that from our poll as a, a reason to support me, that is positive for the movement for Palestinian rights and for justice really around the world, which is something we all need. But a question that we asked them uh, later towards the end of the poll, we said, Hueda would fight to end aid to Israel for their human rights abuses and their war crimes. Do you consider this a strong reason to support her? A somewhat strong reason to support her or not a reason to support her at all? 66% considered this a reason or a very strong reason to support me. Only 27% said it's not oh, really a reason to support me. That's phenomenal. Now, it looked like, and again, I, I've never really gotten into the grass uh, of the elections and the districts in uh, Dearborn and Detroit, although um, I've had a lot of relatives that live in Dearborn and Detroit. Um, but it looked like they divided the Arab community a little bit when they redrew these congressional districts. You're in a new district, correct? Just north of De uh, Detroit? Yes, I am. Uh, my district starts right north of Detroit, yes. And it's not really an quote-unquote Arab district the way some people would try to characterize it, like using it in a negative way. It does have a strong uh, Arab-American and Muslim population, but isn't the majority non-Arab and non-Muslim? Well, you know, it's it's hard to tell because Arabs don't have their own box on the census, right? So it exactly. is a 78% white district, but we are, are white according to the district, uh, to the, sorry, to the census. But there is very strong Arab presence here. Um, Arabic has become now, according to a recent article that I've seen, the second most common language spoken uh, after English in the house. And we have at least one of the cities here, almost a third of the population is Chaldean. So from Chaldean and Arabs uh, make up a sizable a portion of this district, not, not like Dearborn, or, uh, but it could, it could get there. And we're definitely expanding when it comes to sharing the, the culture. And we have a lot more you know, Mediterranean places uh, popping up. But one thing that I see and I talk about a lot is then why are we not, why isn't anyone talking about the power of the Arab or Middle Eastern vote? Right. Every election cycle, we hear about the power of the African-American vote and the Jewish vote and the Latino vote. In Mich at least in Michigan, let us 
give us some consideration. Let us make them give us some consideration by showing that we get out there and we vote. And that's been the struggle with our, you know, part of the struggle with this race, at least, is knowing that there are a lot of Arabs and Chaldeans uh, in this district, but they uh, might not get out and vote is something that we really have to work on. Yeah, I think uh, I'm hoping Chaldeans are going to be listening because they really need to get out there and support you because, uh, you know, there's I know race plays a difference. I'm a Reagan Democrat and basically I'm a Democrat. I'm not all the way to the left, but I'm I'm kind of in the center. I like to think of myself as a moderate. You know, we've lost those terms. You're either far right or far left these days. And I'm sure they've said terrible things about you. Tell us about your, how would you describe yourself in terms of uh, your views? Uh, some people are afraid of you because they think, oh, you're going to be really far out there on the left. The word progressive isn't a scary word. It's a good word. It's been defined by the critics badly, but it's not a bad word. Exactly. But you know, even more than that, I, I feel that our country has become so uh, hyper polarized that it's so easy to stick a label on someone and then just right. distance yourself as like, that's not me. You're too far this way, too far that way. My core is about protecting people's rights and make sure that the government and economy is working for most people. And if that means fighting the big corporations to make sure that, you know, they're not getting the tax breaks, why average people are suffering and making sure that people have health care, uh, making the corporations, you know, the fossil fuel industry clean our air and water. Is that, is that radical to make, to want people to be able to actually live a dignified life? That's what my life has been about fighting for these rights. And, and that's what I'd carry to Congress. With me, as I frequently say, I've spent years fighting in the streets and, and fighting in the courtroom. But if we're not fighting also at the ballot box to send people to legislatures that care about protecting us and our rights, then we're, you know, we're not fighting hard enough. And, and, and when I sit when I sit and talk to some neighbors, they might be a little more conservative than me. They may be a little more liberal than me. But, you know, wanting lower taxes is not a political position. We all want lower taxes. Um, wanting better health care is not a party. You know, wanting human rights is not about, you know, being whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. It's And those are the issues that I think you've really addressed. And you need money, though, correct? You got it. How do you get your message out? Direct mail, right? Radio ads um, and hopefully television. I think when you win this, you are going to face a big challenge from the far right and APAC, because I think they're hoping to take you out in this uh, election is August 2nd, the Democratic primary. And but I think you're going to do well. And, and I'm hopeful you will, because we need your voice there. Thank you. I hope so. And we are working hard. I won't be able, most likely won't be able to get on television because that does cost a lot of, of money and it's, you know, we haven't raised the millions that other the Arab community, if you, the Arab community is one of the wealthiest communities in the United States, I pull my hair out in journalism, wondering why we aren't equal to the task. You know, right. we're like the Jewish community. And I, and by the way, you do have a lot of support from Jewish Americans, right? I J do. Street? I uh, not J street specifically. They're not opposed to me at all, but, um, uh, but Jewish Voice for Peace Action endorsed phenomenal me. group, right? Yeah, they do such really, they do really great work. Um, you know, obviously promoting 
justice for Palestine, but also here when we're talking about domestic issues. And a lot of individual just uh, Jewish American supporters that aren't uh, tied to any group, because I think well, my message is universal and those that aren't blindly pro-Israel can see that. Uh, but back to your point about uh, yeah, our community and investing in, in political candidates, it is something that we do need to work on. We, we're starting to a little bit, but we still have so much work to do in terms of, of uh, I guess, pushing our community more. We're very generous when it comes to doing humanitarian work. But one thing that I say is, if you're not doing the work to change the political situation that leaves people in need of humanitarian aid, whether it is locally or uh, you know, overseas, whether it's to, uh, donating to Yemen or Palestine or Syria or any of that stuff, then we're not doing enough because people, no matter where they are, don't wanna live on humanitarian aid. They want policies that will allow them to live a dignified life. So yes, let's continue to do the charitable work that our, our religion and our morality calls us to do, but let's also invest some of that in, in electing people, helping to elect people that will enact better policies. And so I definitely invite your listeners to find out how to, to, to get involved with my campaign, hawaiidaforcongress.com. I can also leave a phone number. They can certainly um, donate. We, we need it, but also volunteering to just try to reach more people in these final days before uh, election day on August 2nd. And Hawaii for Congress with the number four, correct? No, F O R. So it's Hawaii F O R Congress. Hawaii for Congress dot com. Dot com. And the number they can call is 248-987-0871. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that I hope a lot of the Chaldean listeners who listen to this show, uh, and I'm not Chaldean, you know, I happen to be Christian from Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Probably your family and mine were neighbors at one point. Who knows? But um, I hope the Chaldean community sees you for what you really are about issues and their interests. And I hope they step up to the plate and support you. Uh, I'd like to see that. I think it would be good for them to do that. I I agree wholeheartedly. Let me just give that number one more time because I think I messed it up, even though it's my cell number. I messed it's it all up. Right. It's uh, 248-987-8701. So 248-987-8701. And yes, with regard to the Chaldean community, I mean, and Arab American community as a whole, I know that we are successful in business and in many different uh, areas of life, but we are not represented in politics. We need more of our voices there in order to be more integrated into the society, in order to have people that understand our issues that can help fight for our issues. And there is this misconception that, you know, Republicans are better for business. I am a supporter of small businesses that many Chaldeans and Arab Americans have here, a big proponent of not only incentivizing small businesses, and especially when we're talking about uh, minority communities starting small businesses, but also in, in leveling the playing field because we have so many mega corporations here and monopolies that are squeezing out our small businesses and we need to fight that and I will. All right, Hueda RF, uh, our guest today running as a Democrat in the 10th district in Michigan. Uh, right on the northern part of Detroit and Dearborn, um, a big community of Arab Americans, Chaldeans. Um, that election is August 2nd. It's coming up fast. 
Kuwait, I'd love to have you come back after that election to talk about what's going to happen in November. All right. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed, not going to jinx you, but I, you know, we're, I know there are a lot of people that are out there supporting you. Inshallah. I hope so. Thank you. We're optimistic. We'll All do right. this after come back. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Hueda RF, our guest, her website is Hueda for Congress and it's F-O-R. H-U-W-A-I-D-A-F-O-R, congress.com. Visit her, get information on her, and reach out and help her. Thank you, Hueda. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break here at uh, the Rayhan and Nia show. And when I come back, we're going to talk with Dale Sprzanski, who's going to give us an overview of all the horrible things that APAC does with its money. I wonder why we don't have an Arab PAC with, that can go toe-to-toe with APAC. I would love to see that. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back right after these messages. Arabnews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at Arabnews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. Arabnews.com, news that matters to you. Yeah, you know, clap your hands. Five-year-old Lila and her mom are on their way home from Grandma's, singing Lila's favorite song. A few blocks away, 25-year-old Dylan is visiting friends at a small party. He finishes off his last beer, gets in his truck, and starts for home. Mom and Lila turn onto Maple Street. So does Dylan. Every 50 minutes in the United States, someone dies in a crash involving a driver impaired by alcohol or drugs. If you're impaired and you know it, don't drive. Drive sober. A message from the Michigan Office of Highway Safety Planning. Imagine you're on a train track. Somewhere miles away, a train is headed your way. You can't see it yet, but it's coming. Slowly but surely. If you have prediabetes or you're at risk for type 2 diabetes, you may be on the wrong track, and diabetes could be heading your way. Bit by bit, the danger is getting closer and closer. So should you stay on the track you're on now or move to make a change and reduce your risk? If you have prediabetes or you're at risk for type 2 diabetes, you may qualify for the National Diabetes Prevention Program in your local community. This one-year program could be the ongoing support you need to put you on the right track. Not only did participants lose weight, they cut their risk of type 2 diabetes in half. Ready to get on board for a healthier future? Learn more about the National Diabetes Prevention Program and what else you can do to manage and prevent diabetes at michigan.gov diabetes. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Hueda Araf is running for Congress in the new 10th District, which includes cities where the Arab Chaldean presence is strong. A Christian Arab from Palestine, Huweda is a civil rights attorney and a longtime champion of rights for all people, including Arabs and Chaldeans, here in the United States and around the world. Visit HuwedaForCongress.com to get more information on her candidacy and why she needs your support in the upcoming August primary. 
Give your vote a voice and help elect a representative of and an advocate for our communities. Vote for Huweda Araf on August 2nd or by absentee ballot. The Ray Hanania Show is brought to you by the U.S. Arab Radio Network and sponsored by Arab News Newspaper, the Middle East's leading English language publication with print and online editions in Saudi Arabia, Dubai, France, Japan, Pakistan, England, and the United States. Listen to live radio every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern in Detroit, Washington, D.C., New York, and Ontario, Canada. Or watch the live broadcast on facebook.com forward slash Arab News. The Ray Hanania Show is rebroadcast in Chicago at 12 noon on Thursday. For more information on the radio stations, live Facebook broadcast, and podcasts, visit ArabNews.com. And now, here's your host, columnist and U.S. special correspondent for Arab News, Ray Hanania. And welcome back to the radio show. Um, we're, uh, we just got through talking with Hueda Araf, who's running in the uh, 11th District in Michigan. Uh, excuse me, the 10th district in Michigan. And uh, I was just uh, focused uh, last night on the terrible, uh, horrible uh, loss of uh, Donna Edwards in Maryland's uh, 11th district. Um, and the reason for the loss is something that we're going to talk about because her uh, opponent, uh, Donna Edwards' opponent, raised $1.1 million. Donna Edwards, they're both Democrats and both African-American um, Donna, who served in Congress, I think five uh, terms, maybe four or five terms, she raised about a million dollars. But what APAC did, because they didn't like the fact that Donna Edwards wouldn't embrace every piece of legislation that they demanded, they poured in six million dollars into that congressional race to defeat her. And they did defeat her. And when I listened to the uh, election uh, night uh, victory speech of her opponent, Glenn Ivey. He never mentioned APAC. He talked about how he was a big follower of Martin Luther King and Robert F. Kennedy. And I'm thinking, why don't you talk about what really happened, that this election was bought and paid for by a foreign government, the followers of a foreign government who are more concerned with what the U.S. does for that foreign government than they are about the needs of local, you know, the residents and people in local districts. So to kind of understand how powerful APAC is, I'm bringing in probably one of the most important authorities on APAC and understanding the amount of money, the Washington Report on Middle East Affairs uh, is the source to track how much money these political action committees uh, pour into elections. And with me is the uh, assistant editor, Dale Sprzansky. Dale, welcome to the program today. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. And I just took my first ever trip to Detroit last week. So it's great to be on Detroit radio. I had a great time out there. Yeah. So we're in Detroit, Washington, D.C. And tomorrow you'll be in Chicago at 12 noon at 1080 a.m. Plus, all of this is streamed live. And, you know, the technology can be beneficial, but at the same time, it's a pain in the butt. So, but listen, $6 million in one election, it, someone had told me that has to be one of the largest, uh, you know, infusion of foreign uh, focused money in any election we've seen, is it? As far as we can tell, it is. And so the difference this year is in the past, most of this money was being donated through dark money groups. So you couldn't necessarily track it. You knew you could watch the ads and you knew someone was funding this, but you didn't know who. 
But late last year, APAC decided to kind of take its funding out in public and form a uh, PAC, uh, the United Democracy Project, which is what Matt targeted Donna Edwards. So the plus side of that is it does let us track how much they're giving. And as you said, they not just APAC, but pro-Israel groups, especially APAC, gave $6 million. And uh, yeah, so we published our new uh, chart in our most recent magazine of how much money every member of Congress has gotten from pro-Israel groups. And the numbers are off the charts this year because, again, there's so much that money is now in the light. And it's really giving clarity to the enormous sums. But don't get me wrong. There's still lots of dark money, too. But yeah, and it, it's horrible. And, you know, and this uh, PAC money is not technically uh, uh, controlled by the candidates. It's thrown right. in like a curveball to kind of mess up an election and throw it into, uh, you know, uh, turmoil so that their candidate uh, can win or the person there. Usually it's against somebody rather they weren't for you know, Glenn Ivy, they were against Donna Edwards. That's what, because all of their money uh, wasn't to promote Glenn Ivy. It was to attack Donna and uh, uh, Edwards. And she spoke about how, you know, the lies that were said about her just because she abstained from a vote on, you know, something that had to do with Gaza and Israel in 2008, when she was first in Congress, they will never forget anything. Right. And that's the thing. If you look at Donna Edwards record, if you're pro-Palestine, it's better than most Congress people, but it's not phenomenal. She's not Rashida Tlaib. She's not Ilhan Omar. You know, she did vote to fund Israel on multiple occasions, but she did take several things that didn't completely toe the line. And like you said, when you don't completely 100% toe the line, that's, you know, you're bad on one out of 100, you're bad. And you can expect $6 million to be poured against you in a local-ish uh, campaign. And now when, when we talk about APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, um, right. They literally don't they coordinate an umbrella network of political action committees because there are a lot of individual committees and they try to say, oh, no, no, we don't donate directly. But, yeah, you do indirectly manage the direction of where that money goes from right. all these different groups and they rally their troops to raise money. And how much money have they? I know. Listen, it's got to be in the hundreds of millions. Yeah, it's got to so, I mean, be a lot. It's a lot. So the what we can track thus far for the current campaign cycle is 12 million. But that is just, again, not the dark money. So and every study shows on this issue and other issues that the dark money is multiples of what the the overt money is. So I would so, say hundreds of millions sounds right to me. And, and we're talking about, you know, hundreds of millions over us many election cycles right you know right. that's a lot of money 12 million in one election cycle right. is which huge. isn't over yet yeah and, yeah and it isn't over and half of the money went into one election half of that money went into one election um yeah. that was in maryland and it had a profound effect money actually talks doesn't it in elections i mean can a can a candidate stand up to uh, pro-israel money when it comes pouring in the way it does they can, but it's very hard, right? And, you know, I live in D.C., so I was able to see some of these ads because Don Edwards' district is just across the border. And these ads focus on things like her constituent services and stuff like that. So when you're watching it, you don't even know who's paying for it. And if you get a glimmer of the little fine print at the bottom, it says paid for by United Democracy Project. Right. Again, no tie to Israel. And, so, and, yeah. and most voters wouldn't know sometimes that the United Democracy right. Project was a coordinated effort uh, directed by APAC and its right. political action committees. So, but it just takes so much gall to, to act like they care, right? They're running ads saying she's bad for her constituents who have needs. 
and you know when their real focus is on a country half a world away not they don't give a crap about her constituents right so it's just it, it's astonishing uh you know astonishingly disingenuous i was going to say it's deceitful in a way because yeah. the only reason they're pouring six million dollars into the into that uh, maryland 11th district was because of donna edwards position on israel and yet uh, they know that just going in there and fighting for Israel isn't going to win an election. So they go in there and according to Donna Edwards, they just lied about her policies, her support of uh, the poor, her support of health care, her support of lowering taxes. They just went after her and there's like no accountability. That's the worst part about it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Unless it's something overtly slanderous, if it's just political accusations, it's, you know, I guess, free speech and, you know, there's no repercussions. Well, in, in your world, when you're looking at the big radar screen in the elections, because I know there's several coming up, you did this great piece. Um, and by the way, just for listeners, uh, just to remind them, we're talking with Dale Sprzanski, who is an assistant editor at the Washington Report on Middle East Affairs. It's WR. MEA.org, I believe, is your website, correct? Yes. And you can go there, and they did this great piece. In fact, Dale wrote it, um, and I was reading through it about all the big money candidacies like Tommy Tuberville in Alabama, you know, and uh, Jerry Carl in, you know, in the first district. You go through every state and you talk about congressmen and senators um, and how much money that they're going to get. Um, and w what's the overview? I mean, how, what's happening out there? Right. Huh? Yeah, it, it was shocking. I was having nightmares. It took you know, a very long time to compile all this. I basically went through every new member of Congress to look kind of at their journey towards being most of them pro-Israel, a few exceptions. And it happens in so many ways. I mean, for a lot of them, they get um, approached very early in their political career where they become activists, city council members at the most local of level school board members. Uh, often by groups such as the Anti-Defamation League, other groups, and they just basically slowly start, maybe you could say, cultivating them to have these pro-Israel views. And next thing you know, they're going on trips to Israel, free trips paid for. Uh, and it just quickly becomes apparent to them that being pro-Israel is good <laughs> for raising money, and it's good to keep, uh, you know, trouble off your back, right? Because not only did Don Edwards have six million less dollars, she had attack ads. So it's a double whammy of, you know, trouble when you don't have pro-Israel money behind your back. Uh, but yeah, and it's just, it, you see this throughout their career, just endless statements about, you think about it, why does my city council member passing a resolution supporting Israel and Operation Cast Lead, you know, when there's an outburst of violence in Gaza, but you see these things, uh, especially down where I'm from originally in Miami, you know, where there's oddly amongst the Cuban politicians' support for Israel, which is baffling to me. But you see this constantly, just this overwhelming just need to be pro-Israel in a way you would never feel that way to support any other country you have no affiliation to. And it takes a different tone sometimes in the South with evangelicalism, and there's more sort of heretical kind of philosophies that are more actually genuine and deep-seated, I would say. But yeah, the, I mean, I don't think APAC is stupid. I, I think the people that put that organization together are very smart. They know how to focus on issues. When you have money, you can almost do anything. And a lot of candidates, like you say, some candidates may only get about $5,000 in a local race. They may get 250000 in a congressional race. And some of the big ones, the most important positions, and we see a lot of uh, leadership in Congress and the Senate, they could get as much as five, six hundred thousand dollars. 
Yeah. Um, and that money, and, and you know what? You take money from somebody, they don't have to say, I want you to support me. It's implicit, right? I give you money. You want to see that money again next election? You better be, you know, pushing my limited agenda on one issue about a foreign country that really has nothing to do with the United States and what happens in your district. They, they still do that. Yep. Is there a movement out there to uh, change? Has there been an effort to stop these PACs from pouring this kind of money, uh, you know, into elections like this? I mean, there's efforts. I would say the larger effort is the effort that encompasses all political giving, which of course failed in the Supreme Court several years ago. And I think the view is as long as political giving is allowed by the Supreme Court, there's really not much way to stop it. You can counter it. You can try and raise as much money as possible on the other side. But unfortunately, at this point, it's a Supreme Court protected way of engaging in politics, whether we like it or not. And it, it can't really be stopped. It can only be countered. Can you tell us about some of the elections you think we should be watching coming right. up? I know Andy Levin's in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, APAC is after him, right? Because he's pro-peace. He's middle of the road, and they don't want that. I think it says more about APAC than it does about uh, Congressman Levin. Right, and that's a funny one, like you said, because I feel like if Andy Levin were to lose, there probably wouldn't be very many supporters of Palestine who would lose sleep at night because they don't necessarily view him as an ally. They may not view him as an enemy, but he's so middle of the road. He right, he's right. A banal policy for a two-state solution, which many people view as perpetuating the status quo injustice. And yet again, APAC, <laughs> which started as supporting the two-state solution, now views the two-state solution as somehow being anti-Israel, as Israel has moved further to the right. Uh, so yeah, it, but now it's weird because now we're kind of invested in Andy Levin winning just because you don't want to see APAC take out even moderates because that doesn't help your cause. He'd probably be more of a J Street kind of uh, Zionist, so still a Zionist, but J Street Zionist. Um, another interesting one that happened in the past was uh, Marie Newman lost uh, in right Illinois. in my backyard. Yeah, phenomenal was, person. Right, so she got she lost her district, had to go up against another incumbent. I forget his name, and lost that. Sean Caston. Sean is more of a moderate, yeah. she, but she was more outspoken on uh, rights for Palestinians right. and uh, wanting peace in a fair way. Um, and I know they did target her. Not as much money as they put into the Donna Edwards case, you know, campaign, you know, to stop her. But uh, they did play a role there. But what are some of the other ones? I mean, are we seeing these battles all over or is it really an exception to American politics? Yeah. So, I mean, the other big ones will be, uh, you know, Rashida Tlaib is, has a primary coming up. Uh, same thing with Ilhan Omar. And I had a meeting with someone in Washington about a month ago and they were very worried. They were very worried that there is just this whole wave of money amassing against them. And they told us, don't take it for granted they're going to win. They are facing serious, serious challenges. So anyone out there who supports them, I would take this person knew what they were doing. They're involved in the world of political financing and elections. And they were not, they weren't bleak, but they were very, very concerned that this can go south for them. Uh, but the, those are the big ones. Yeah. Is the APEC money uh, uh, aligned with any, uh, you know, like the Republicans more than Democrats or they try to spread it out all over, don't they? They try to spread it out. Yeah. So, I mean, in a way, there's been lots of news articles lately about APAC donating to candidates who supported the insurrection, which is true. I kind of think it's in a way a smokescreen because we get so enamored with this idea of APAC being right wing and supporting the far right 
but they're also donating to people on the left. And it's important to not just kind of box them into this one view and in a way it almost empowers them because they can do stuff in the corner that you're not, there's not sexy to talk about when they, when they support a moderate Democrat. You know, it's not as outrageous. Uh, but you do see some pushback, right? Bill de Blasio, again, very pro-Israel, came out before he dropped out of the election. He said he wasn't going to take APAC money because of their supporting of, of right-wing candidates. Uh, there was another, I saw this famous uh, or popular Twitter video was going around of a woman, a Jewish woman, confronting her member of Congress, who's a Democrat, for taking APAC money. And she used the fact that APAC is supporting insurrectionists against them. Uh, so I think it's kind of a dubious strategy on APAC's part. I don't see why they feel the need to align with these people. But I also don't think people who are anti-APAC should fixate it on it too much because it kind of obscures the reality of who they are. They are not a run-of-the-mill right-wing group. They are a Zionist group <laughs> who it, who's interested in all of America uh, supporting Israel. Had you heard about any of the congressional candidates returning money? Because I had heard Sean Kasten return the money that he got okay. from APAC. I don't know if you heard that. I haven't heard that, but it, it does happen very rarely, but it can happen on certain occasions. And I, in this heightened political environment, it wouldn't surprise me as much. Yeah. And listen, I'm not against, and I don't think most Americans are against uh, organizations spending money to get their agenda out. But when it's kind of deceitful, you know, because like this Glenn Ivy that beat uh, uh, Donna Edwards, he's not a bad guy, you know, and when you look at the issues, okay, he had some pretty good issues, but it wasn't about those issues. It was about one thing. And when he has $7 million to pounce on Donna Edwards, who only had 1 million, uh, you can understand how it's going to be really tough, you know, for Donna to win in an election like that. It's just unfair and it's wrong. Right. And like Huweda said, as she was on earlier, you know, even when she goes out in her district, which has a lot of Arabs, people aren't talking to her about Palestine necessarily. They're talking about the issues, inflation, gas prices, et cetera, healthcare. And I doubt the people, even if they watch these APAC ads in Maryland, were, I don't think they were thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm against Don Edwards because of her vote on Israel. So they were, like you said, being manipulated. They were being told these things by people who had no interest <laughs> in the issues that brought them to the ballot box to vote. Um, yeah, and like you said, it's hard to uh, get mad at her opponent, right? In this world where money is everything in politics, how could you, what is he gonna do? Stand up and say, I don't want $6 million. I don't want guaranteed victory from APAC. You know, it's, I, so I can't fault it. It's not necessarily the moral thing to do, but it's not the most immoral thing to do in politics, I suppose. So I think we have the uh, Michigan elections are in August, uh, August 2nd. There'll be yeah. a whole wave of elections, I think, that date. Um, and just uh, just to recap a little bit, who should we be keeping our eyes on? Do you think any any races, again, that we should be watching? Yeah. I think we've hit the big two, is Levin and uh, Rashida Tlaib, I think, are the big ones that uh, the lobby has its eyes on. So, and those are the two, uh, both in Michigan. Right. Yeah. They, they, and, so, and, and it's uh, money does have an influence. Money right. can take out people. But, you know, they both have been around so long, but they were kind of shoved into uh, districts where they're fighting. I think uh, Levin's case where he was fighting another Democrat, right. you know, who was a member of Congress. Um, Haley Stevens, I think, is her name. Um, and that's uh, that's rough. I mean, like Marie Newman was forced in to run against another Democrat who she probably would have gotten along with had the Democrats not tried to take her out because that was intentional, I thought. 
Well, and that's the other policy behind it. It's so much happens before you get to election day. So when Democrats sit there and look at their new map, they lose a congressional seat, they gain one, then they redraw the lines. You know, these things come up. Well, this lady is causing trouble for us because she's pro-Palestine. So, you know, let's not secure her with a good district. Let's make her go up against someone else. Let's change his or her borders. Uh, so yeah, and this is the game, right? And you see again in the Congress, Who's staffing the committees, the foreign relations committees? It's all very, very pro-Israel people. Uh, the current chair of the House Foreign Relations Committee, uh, subcommittee on the Middle East, is going to go leave to run a pro-Israel organization think tank, you know, after his next term is over. So it's it's all the so much of the deck is stacked before you even get to the ballot box. But you so still is, vote. <laughs> so it is fair to say though that um, in a way. They don't, they don't use the money to push Israel. They right. use the money to undermine candidates right. that they don't like, who they think don't support Israel enough. And they may go after specific issues that have nothing to do with Israel because they know that those are the issues that impact voters the most. That's right. I mean, it's very rare. Maybe in very, you know, districts that are perceived to be very Zionist in South Florida, New York, or California, you'll see ads actually mention Israel. But for the rest of the country, 90% of the districts, no pro-Israel ad is going to mention Israel because, again, they know the average American is going to sit there and say, why are they talking to me about Israel when I have 10,000 issues in front of me as an American? So that's their strategy is to, to get you in a fury over something other than the issue they're causing you, wanting you to vote for. I, I have to say I'm a, uh, I'm a great disappointment in J Street. I always felt you know, that they were going to stand up and kind of offer a counterbalance to this. Um, and absolutely, there's nothing wrong with somebody being Jewish wanting to support Israel. That's absolutely their right to do it. And the fact that they spend more money on Israel than Arabs spend on Palestine or Middle Eastern countries, that's not their fault. That's our fault as an Arab community. But um, I, it, it kind of, it does concern me that uh, not enough money goes into help the victims of APAC. I mean, when APAC targets you, who do you go to? Is there another PAC that's significant enough uh, that supports like pro-Arab candidates or even pro-peace? Right. Candidates who are middle of the road who say, hey, I don't want to favor anybody. I want to favor the Americans. That's not acceptable to APAC. Right. No, like the closest would be J Street, which is, like you said, Zionist light. Um, but there's really not... I don't know if we even did it this issue. Some issues we do just for fun divulge how much pro-Arab money was in elections. And it's always just, you know, Negative. millions. And it's like $2,000 or $40,000, something astronomically small that we can track. So it's not being given in any, in any way that would make any kind of difference in an election. And you've been covering the, this issue for how many years now? Because I, I've been reading these. Uh, uh, I mean, lists. basically since the magazine was founded in 1982, this has been the issue that our founders... I mean, they were former diplomats who served their entire life in the region and were causing trouble in the State Department and, and other agencies crying out. Uh, and they came back and they were still crying out and they couldn't retire. So they founded this magazine. And, and the, that's, the, that's what we do. And the new story out of all of this is there's no Arab money, is there? There really isn't that much Arab money out there. I mean, there is some, but it's relatively insignificant when you compare it. And if it's being given any big sum, it's not being given under the name of Palestine or peace. It's being given, you know, 
for whatever other interests. I'm Arab and I support or don't support guns or anything else. It's being given for these causes, not for Palestine. Right. Not to push an agenda. Dale, right. any final thoughts? We only got a couple minutes and I, I know I've been leading this discussion, but anything that you wanted to mention that I didn't touch on? I would just reinforce that bottom line, you know, especially for people who haven't voted in their primary yet, that when you see these ads in your in your mail, in your newspapers, on TV, just stop to think who is pushing this, right? It may be Israel, it may be big pharma, it may be gun groups, animal agriculture, whoever, big tech. Everyone has an agenda and everyone will use this same, this, these same tactics of deception to try and get you to vote the way they want you to vote. So really research your candidates on, their, on your own terms. Go to their websites, see what they stand for, watch them speak and make an informed decision. And don't rely on other people telling you what they what the candidates think because they're telling you not what the candidates think. They're telling you how to vote for special interests. And if you want to understand where money's coming from, especially when it may have something to do with the Middle East, Go to the Washington Report on Middle East Affairs at WRMEA.org. They got a phenomenal list of uh, all that money, which candidates get them, which elected officials get it. The total, you can go year by year. I've been to the site. I've looked at it. Um, and I think there's another site called OpenSecrets.org that also looks at it. Just phenomenal. Dale, listen, thank you so much. Tell the Linda Hanley and everybody over there at Washington Report that I say hello. They're good friends of our radio show, and I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. All right. Our guest, Dale Sprezanski, um, with who is the assistant editor at the Washington Report on Middle East Affairs magazine. Uh, their website is wrmea.org. Um, and also, don't forget our first guest, Hawaida Arif. Her website is hawaida4congress.com. H-U-W-A-I-D-A for F-O-R congress.com. Um, I want to thank both our guests for coming on and talking about all these issues. We'll be ne back next week on Wednesday to talk about more issues. And uh, I hope you're, if you're in Chicago, you're listening to our show on 1080 AM at 12 noon. Everybody, you have a great day. We will talk again later. Thank you so much, everybody. Bye-bye.